And let us turn in God's Word to 1 Kings chapter 17 as we continue there with Elijah. And one of the more well-known passages of Elijah as we look at the proclamation of the drought and the widow in Zarephath. So let us read together God's Word from I, 1 Kings chapter 17. So let us hear together God's word. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward. And hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and 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 her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Not happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. 
Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. In your mouth is the truth. Thus far the reading of God's word. May he add his blessing to our consideration of it this morning. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we look back at the previous chapters of First Kings, we see the children of Israel, the northern ten tribes, descending from the kingship of David, and yes, the brokenness which he has, but yet great blessings. And already by Solomon there were problems going on, and then going downhill very much with Jeroboam and on down from there. And we ought to sorrow at that as the rulers of nations turn God's people away from him. And certainly that is in the hearts of people, but that is also somewhat directed by the kings. Remember Jeroboam told the children of Israel, oh, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship The environment created by that breaks down the things of the worship and the glory of God. People go along with it. And now, Elijah comes into the situation in judgment to Ahab. He speaks to Ahab the word of the Lord. But notice throughout this passage, the word of the Lord first of all, goes by the brook Cherith outside of Israel, which flows into the Jordan from the east. And then from there, it goes to Sidon. There is famine in this passage, not only of food, but famine of the Word of God. And we have to understand that that's more important than famine of food. We get excited and worried about what's going in our stomach. But we need to understand what goes into our minds and into our hearts is more important. And Elijah makes that very clear as he deals with the woman, the widow at Zarephath. What happens? He says to her, trust God, make me a cake first. God comes first. And as we live in this world, we need to take God's Word first. As you get to know me as pastor, one of my passions and desires is that we be in the Word of God on a regular basis. Not just in church, but I hope over time, and some of you know this already, I hope that we will, as a church, begin to read the Bible on a regular basis together. I have worked out and my D-Men project is working out and the encouragement of God's people to read through the Bible. And I've worked out schedules. And that's not the important part. The important part is that we need the Word of God. A, A famine of the Word of God is far worse than a famine of what we stick in our bellies and our stomachs. So as we look at this passage, the theme is that we will see is when God's traditional people reject him, he sends his help to those who are on the outside. 
When God's traditional people reject him, he sends his help to those who are on the outside. In verse 1, we see that God's servant declares God's judgment against Israel's sin. In verses 2 through 16, we see that God provides for his servant. And in verses 17 through 24, we see that God revives the widow's son at his servant's prayer. God provides for this woman outside of Israel instead of for the Israelites. Jesus got in trouble for mentioning this, if you'll remember. When he told the Israelites there were widows in Israel, why did Elijah go to Zarephath? So when God's people reject him, he sends his help to those who are on the outside. First of all, God's servant declares God's judgment against Israel's sin. Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word. Now Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. Elijah doesn't have some great uh, history, tradition. He's an average person out of Israel. And he is sent by God to Ahab to speak to the king. We can speak to those who are rulers as Christians. Our culture pushes that off to the side. Oh, Christians shouldn't affect culture. No, Christians are called to push and pull and to be salt and light in culture. No matter where we are, no matter what our background, no matter what people think about us. Reading from James 5.17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. But he was a man with a nature like ours. It was just like you and me. And yet God used him mightily. Don't think that I can't do anything. One man with God is in the majority against everyone else. You've got, we've got to understand that as Christians. We, as Christians, so often have a siege mentality. That's not how we live in this world. We live as those who have the king of the world. We have his ear. He listens to us in our prayers. All Authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so Elijah applies God's words to Ahab, Israel's kings, Israel's wicked king. Elijah swears by God's life, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. And he says it will not rain. Well, that's pretty rough, especially on those farmers, right? You have to understand where Israel is at this point. They are very, very rotten. Elijah is later told that there are only 7,000 people in Israel who had not bowed the knee to Baal. And brothers and sisters, we have to realize that we live in a culture that's got an awful lot of problems. I pray for God's call to return this culture back to himself. 
that Elisha prayed that it would not rain. And yet, as we shall see in a moment here, God provides for Elijah. This is also true of these others, the 7,000 and the others that we hear about. Life can and does get hard under God's judgment. But our trust is in God. Our trust isn't in what we have in the banks. Oh, wait, they're failing. Our trust is not what we have in our storerooms or in our strength, our abilities. It's one of the reasons we read the call to worship we read this morning. We don't put our trust in these things. Our trust is finally in God. Yes, we do use these things and we seek to be wise. But our first trust must be in Almighty God. The God who cares for us. The God who hears our prayers. Life does and get hard. But we don't save ourselves physically, and we don't save ourselves spiritually. God does that. And notice then, verses 2 through 16, God provides for his servant. Just think of what God says to Elijah. Get away from here. Turn eastward, verse 3, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Ravens were an unclean bird, by the way, just of note along the way here. God says to Elijah, here's the plan. Y'all hooking up for this one? This is the way to have good retirement, right? (laughs) And does God even give Elijah the whole plan? He says, head out, follow the brook, go by it. God does not give him the whole plan. We often don't even see where the next step in the plan is going. Is that okay? Will God take care of us? We had an excellent devotion at classes meeting about the need for the elderly in the church who have lived and experienced God's continual care for His people to speak to the young people of the congregation and remind us that, yeah, life gets rough. But God provides. It's an aspect that those who have lived through hard things can bring very much to God's people to remind us That God cares for us day by day. He brings us through even when it gets hard. When we are depressed. When life gets to the point that we don't think we can walk another step. God is there. So he sends him eastward following the brook. And he's to drink from the brook. And to eat from the ravens. And God fulfills that promise. Can we trust that God is going to take care of us? Even when we can't see the methods. 
I mean, there's no evidence that ravens are going to come bring you bread and meat. (laughs) There's no footprints that tell you this. And yet God directs it. And so God fulfills that word. Elijah is obedient. He does according to the word of the Lord. He went, he stayed by that brook. And just as God had promised, it came true. The ravens brought him meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. He drank from the brook. Where did this food come from? There wasn't food anywhere. Think about the widow in Zarephath. She's further up north. There's no food there. Is God able to provide? Most certainly. We can trust in him. And so God provides for his servant away from his people Israel. Again, remember, the word of God is being taken away from them. Because they had rejected it, they would not follow it. And so the Lord sends Elijah to Zarephath. And it happened the brook dried up. So there's, from a certain perspective, a failure of what God had said was going to provide. Is that in God's plans too? Yeah, it is. And does God have another way? Is it easy? No, it's not. But God directs that step to arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there. Rich one, right? (laughs) I just love how God does this. Go to a widow there to provide for you. The word of God is being taken away from Israel because they would not follow it. And God comes first. When Jesus was talking about the fact that a prophet is not heard in his own region in Luke 4, he notes this fact that Elijah had to go to Sidon, not to Israel, to be believed. And those who heard that made, were made quite angry. Because the gospel is not just for us. The gospel is for all people. The gospel is for anyone. Any one of us, maybe one or few of us have Jewish backgrounds. Probably not too many. God reached us. Think of the tribes in the history of our peoples up in northern Europe. Nice people, right? If you know that stuff, that history. No, God reached us and God can reach our culture in the midst of the mess it's in and God's sending his word, his gospel to the ends of the earth. It's not just for good old German people in maybe northern South Dakota and over here in Wisconsin, a few others, right? It's for everyone. The Bible says to preach the gospel to every creature. By the way, that doesn't mean um, cat and dog church. But the idea is that the gospel is so broadly preached that it seems like you're talking to cats and dogs. 
But God comes first. So he arose, Elijah, and went to Zarephath, verse 10. And he came to the gate of the city. And indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a cup of a little water and a cup that I may drink. Elijah, again, obedient to God's command. And he asks this widow for a little water. Opens the conversation. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and asked, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Of course, we know this is where we find out that she's not the rich widow. I think the gathering sticks is also kind of indicative. What's her objection? I don't have enough. What's our objection? So often. I don't have enough, Lord. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it. God did not send Elijah to the, witch, to the rich widow of Zarephath. He sent her to someone who didn't have anything herself. And God provides. God provides everything. And brothers and sisters, God has provided for us everything. Think of another widow who threw in two mites. What did Jesus say about her? She's given her whole livelihood. Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. And notice, by the way, who addresses in in 1 Kings God in the picture first. This widow. She swears by God's name. God sends his hungry prophet to someone who doesn't have enough food for her next meal. Now, we tend to exaggerate. But we have to see that her situation is dire as well. But wait and consider what God does. Notice what God says through Elijah. I'm the one who provides. Do not fear, Elijah said to her. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. And thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. God is the one who supplies. Elijah doesn't back down. Notice what he says there. Make me a small cake from it first. God comes first. 
the audacity. We so often get into the idea, well, I need this, I need that, I need the other thing. You've perhaps heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where we get basic physiological needs first at the bottom. But God doesn't play that game. We need God more than we need to breathe. Than our next breath. So often when we go out to do mission work, we want people comfortable. Before we dare speak the gospel to them. But people need the gospel more, as we said, than their next breath. In fact, so often when we try to make people comfortable, we make them comfortable in their sins. We just make them better Pharisees. The gospel, it is, is what is of most utmost importance. Yes, there are other things, and we do help and seek to help people with the messes their lives are because of the brokenness of sin. But the most important thing is the gospel. And we don't need a whole big mission of all this stuff of hospital work and this and that and the other thing. People need Christ. The challenge of faith comes with the promise here. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, verse 14, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. God will provide that through this little bit of flour and oil, both you and your son and Elijah will eat. And notice her faith in God. She went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her, he and her household ate for many days. Now I'd be wondering how many molecules of bread constituted enough to give to Elijah, personally, if I were her. But that's not what she does. She trusts in God's provision, in God's promise. We cannot outgive God. God will provide. And He provides even th through hard times what is necessary for His people. And as we read, the bin of flour, verse 13, was not used up, nor did the oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And God revives then the widow's son at His servant's prayers. Life isn't always easy. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean, as some people teach, that we're going to have it easy. But we have the blessing of God in all of it. And God's hard providence too often causes us to question God's goodness. It happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. What did the widow say? What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and kill, to kill my son? Isn't it interesting how she twists that? 
How often do we do the same thing? God sends a hard providence into our lives. Well, everything I've believed then isn't worth believing. No. The Word of God is so important that we trust God even when there is hardship. Even in great hardship, God is the one who cares for us. She'd been living off of the bread and oil that God provided, right? Everything we have is a gift from God. We end up always with the problem of evil, theodicy. Why do bad things happen? The problem is not why do bad things happen to good people. The question problem is why do good things happen to bad people? Because that's where we're at. We all think we're okay. We're so used to sin. We're so used to the brokenness of this world. We say, why do bad things happen to me? Because I'm a sinner. I live in a broken world. And God has a purpose even for the brokenness. He will use it for His glory and for our good. God tells us that the testing of our faith is there to produce patience and that we should allow that patience to have its perfect work, that we would be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hardship has a good purpose. There are graces that cannot be received except after hardship. And so Elijah responds and says, give me your son. He takes her, took him up out of her arms. Verse 19, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on his own bed. And he cried out to the Lord and he said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? Elijah is urgent. He grabbed him from her, took him up to Elijah's room cries out to the Lord. And Elijah's prayer, we might have some arguments with. It's not great form, but God hears the cries of His people even when our prayers aren't perfect. Praise the Lord. Because my prayers aren't perfect. None of our prayers are. Some of the best prayers that we can offer as Christians... Help, Lord. Remember that the Spirit intercedes for us with with groanings which cannot be uttered. And His prayer is a prayer of frustration with God. Elijah is an emotional man. It's believed that he suffered from depression. But what's the answer to emotional problems? God's Word. Pastoral counsel and direction. Not only from me as pastor, but from one another as Christians. It's not going to some shrink who tells us that we can blame our problems on everybody else. And God hears Elijah's cries. We heard that in our call to worship this morning, didn't he? Didn't we? 
He stretched himself out on the child three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. Now it's interesting the way we see people raised from the dead in the Bible again and again. And I certainly couldn't tell you what's going on here. But part of it seems to be warming the body up. I, don't, I can't tell you. But God uses it, right? And the Lord heard. And the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. God sent the soul of the child back. Now interesting, perhaps you've heard of the book, Heaven is for Real. Notice we have lots of resurrections in the Bible. And not a single one of those people tell us anything about heaven. If God wanted us to know, where'd we look for it? The Bible. We need to understand God tells us more about what's going on in heaven as Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus and in, in, in the book of Revelation than what we're going to hear from some of these popular slash crazy books that go around in our culture. Heaven is for real, don't get me wrong. But that stuff has no basis in reality. In fact, the kid that, told, that, that came up with the book Heaven's for Real later on recanted and said it's, it's trash, it's a lie. So please understand that. But heaven is real, and the soul of this child came back, we're told here. But remember what we said from James 5 and 17 about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Elijah also prayed and God raised this woman's dead son. God uses prayers. Yeah, we're Calvinist. We know that God is predestined. But God predestines how things come about too, right? And God uses our prayers to bring about His perfect will. And the miracle verifies the word of the Lord by Elijah. This is what miracles are for. This is why we don't need miracles in the church today. We can verify what's going on, whether or not Grossman's preaching the Word of God by finding out does what he say comport with what God says. If miracles and visions and dreams agree with the Word of God, they're not necessary. If miracles, visions, and dreams contradict the Word of God, they are counterfeit. We have to understand that. And Elijah took then the child from the upper room, brought him to his mother, and said, See, your son lives. And the woman said, to Elijah, verse 24, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and the word in your, of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. <laughs> now how long she been eaten off of God providing food in her? And brothers and sisters, put this in our brains too. 
Where do we get food? Well, I buy it at the store or I raise it. Who provides that? God does. So we're eating off of God's good green earth. Guess what? We need to understand where it comes from. And we can trust that God will provide no matter what goes on, no matter how life goes crazy. God will take care of His people. I have seen, I have been, how the psalmist says, I believe it was David said, I have been young and now I'm old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. God takes care of His people. We don't need to fear. We do not need to be like our culture that's running around looking for every safety to be okay. Be wise. But our trust is finally in who? God. And God brings not only safety and protection for His people, He brings His Word into the world. And He brings it to people who had not heard And yet this woman had an idea that there was a God in Israel. But notice that God established that word by bringing Elijah to her, by fulfilling his promises. And we live in a world that everything is lies. They say things again and again and again. And do they come true? No. God's word is true. And God's Word speaks, like we talked about in um, Sunday school this morning, about the differences between men and women. Our culture hates that. And God's Word speaks with authority on right and wrong. Our culture hates that. It doesn't want to hear it. Brothers and sisters, God gives us A message to a world that needs it. And God verifies that. And as our culture becomes more and more crazy, the gospel and the truth of right and wrong will shine all of the more clear. And we as the church need to be ready to bring that gospel of not only truth of right and wrong, but the truth of salvation to this broken world. Amen. Let us bow our heads and our hearts before God's throne of grace. Let us rise the prayer and we'll close this prayer together with the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for the glory of our awesome God. We thank You that You speak to us and that we can bring that gospel to a world that is so broken, is, look, is, is running away from truth. We thank you, Lord, for how much it is stark and more and more day by day. We pray, Lord, that truth would be shown for what it is and that lies would be shown for what they are. We pray, Lord, looking to your hand, that we would trust in you to provide for your people, that we would be wise, but that our trust would finally be in you. We pray, Lord, use us in the midst of this to be faithful 
to bring your gospel to this culture. And we pray, Lord, that indeed, as we go about that, that all of the more you would call people to yourself. We praise you for what you have given to us in Christ Jesus, not only on this world, but that you have given to us eternal hope, eternal promises, eternal life because of what Christ has done for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, praying as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.